and welcome to Braving the Way. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Fletcher, also known as Dr. Fletch. I have spent the last two decades working in the field of mental health, and I have spent the last 10 years working on my own healing, recovering from sex trafficking and dissociative identity disorder, formerly known as multiple personality disorder. Here on Braving the Way, we are going to have honest, authentic, and brave conversations about all things mental health. I'll share aspects of my personal journey with you, and I'll share some mental health tips and resources that I have acquired along the way and introduce you to some inspiring guests who want to share their own mental health journeys with you. My mission with this podcast is to bring hope, love, and inspiration to the world by sharing my lived and professional experience with mental health and to be a guide and a role model for others. I want you to feel seen, heard, and validated in your human experience. And I want all of us to work together to create emotional safety for others to be able to talk openly and freely about mental health because we all live with it. There is absolutely no health without mental health. So thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself and joining me on Braving the Way. I am so thankful that you exist. Brave on. Well, hello there, and welcome to the final episode of season one of Braving the Way. And if I sound a little muffled today, it's because I'm actually not recording at home. I am recording from Telluride, Colorado, and I wanted to make sure to record this episode in time for my podcast, Help and Support Team, to enjoy their holiday season without worrying about (laughs) Dr. Fletch's late submission. So um, by this time of this recording, Christmas has already passed, and I hope that you all had an enjoyable holiday season. And if you are grieving um, from the loss of a loved one or from experiencing grief from childhood trauma and the holidays are hard for you, I hold you in my heart, and I know that this can be a challenging time of year. As we get ready to head into the new year, I've been thinking more about what um, I wanted my 2023 word to be. And um, I don't know if any of you all uh, partake in that, but it can be a great way to sort of keep your word of intention for the year around whatever you choose. And this morning, I have the fireplace going and I have my crystals out and I pulled some cards And I was sitting there listening to Gratitude by Brandon Lake, and I thought, well, that's it. That's my word for 2023 is gratitude. Um, You know, gratitude can be a hard thing for people, especially for those who have experienced really extreme trauma. It's, um, you know, a complex topic, right? It's like, well, how can I be grateful when these horrible things have happened? And out of, you know, all of my years and healing and really working on myself, um, gratitude practices have really helped me and put a lot of things in perspective. So as I'm sitting here this morning with my laptop and my phone and my warm cup of coffee in a cozy condo in this beautiful setting um, where I've always wanted to be, my husband's out snowboarding for the day. I just went yesterday after not being on a snowboard in 19 years. And I have to say that it was incredible and remarkable. And I still have that skill set. It was really cute. My husband and I were talking about how, yeah, one of the parts is a really good snowboarder. And, uh, you know, when you have parts, it's not like they lose those skills over time. Um, And really just blessed and grateful uh, for his love and support and uh, being married to somebody with multiple parts. And I'm probably going to talk all around today because, as you all know, I don't have anything scripted. I do have a few things I want to mention towards the end of the episode. 
Um, but really thinking about, wow, what a year this has been and um, how grateful I really truly am for being able to have a podcast, to have a community um, that I'm getting to know on Instagram and um, connecting further with the Women in Powerhouse Women and those who attend an Infinite Minds conference and just really grateful for all of the remarkable people I've met on my journey. And I was thinking back to what the holidays used to be like for me um, when I was younger, particularly they were very stressful. I had to go to multiple Christmases just being from a divorced family and then dealing with some things um, as a result of the abuse from my dad. Um, and it just wasn't an easy time. And then as I got older, uh, spent a lot of time drinking around the holidays um, and just pretty much just trying to numb out of my life. And um, it's miraculous sometimes that I'm actually even alive. And I don't always know how to capture that with words. Um, but this has been an incredibly moving year, a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement, a lot of fear. And um, some of you had asked me, you know, when I was kind of putting out a poll of like what to talk about for the last and final episode, a lot of you wanted to hear about like how to navigate shame or how do you remain hopeful when, you know, you're struggling with recovery or you um, are feeling lost and afraid or you have fear and you don't trust people. Um, how do you deal with shame? How do you hold on to hope? And um, what is it really like to navigate life with DID? Very complex topics, right? Shame is like this dark blanket that sort of just follows people around. And at the core of shame is I am bad. And people often confuse guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something wrong, therefore I feel bad about it and I can correct the behavior and do it differently the next time. Shame takes a whole nother level where it's I did this behavior and now I'm a bad, horrible, awful person. And when we get stuck in shame, we're more likely to sabotage relationships, um, harm ourselves in every which way possible. And um can't get very far just swimming in shame. It's a really dark and lonely place to be. And so in thinking about how to break down shame, one of the biggest things I've ever learned is talking about the things that you feel shameful about with safe and trustworthy people. And sometimes that starts in therapy. Sometimes that starts with a close friend. But being able to speak truth to the things that you don't feel good about. We all have things in our past we're not proud of. We all have things that have happened to us that have made us feel shameful. Um, and I think it's unfortunate that we don't really talk a whole lot about all of that. And I really learned that starting to break down some of that shame was starting to share authentically in therapy. And then when I did trauma healing groups and intensive sharing there, um, women's mentorship programs, I just finished one of those with Lindsay Smith Campbell. You'll see that I mention her in the um, acknowledgement section of One Soul, Multiple Expressions, my new poetry book that's out that was written by the parts. Um, thank you for all of the support around the book, by the way. I appreciate that. The little free promo was able to reach 168 people for free, um, which just warms my heart. Um, one, that people are interested in hearing what I have to say, and two, that I was able to offer something to the community and that all of you talked about it and shared it and got it to the people that needed to have it. Trigger warning, by the way, on that book and its mature content. It's always interesting with having to put a disclaimer on the book, right? 
But even something like that, um, you know, that there's a lot of heavy material in there. And um, a lot of that material had not made me feel very good for most of my life. But being at a place where I can talk openly about it and um, share those pieces of myself with the world has absolutely helped break down shame. Now, I'm not saying you have to write down all your deepest, darkest secrets and release those into the world. um, But maybe you start with a journal. Or maybe you start with a quiet meditative time and just get real honest with yourself about what you don't feel good about. And, you know, try to reframe those things and think about how you can do life or behaviors differently. We never feel good about ourselves if we are not communicating well with others or if we have done something, you know, taking accountability. um, And by really taking accountability, it's saying, you know, this thing has happened. And I'm ready and willing to take accountability for it so that I can be healthier moving forward. So that's my thought on shame. Sure, somebody could write an entire book just on shame alone, but it's dark and it's heavy and we don't want a lot of that um, because then we're just going to end up feeling like bad, horrible, awful people. And most people at their core are good. Um, And I don't really love the words good and bad, but I remember I was in Florida with a friend probably about maybe a year and a half ago. and had first come forward to tell her, and we've been friends over 20 years, and I said I was really worried about how the world was going to perceive what I was doing. And she said, you know, I think the world is mostly good. (laughs) I said, well, that's an interesting concept, because as a trauma survivor who's, you know, survived extreme trauma, the thought of the world being good never really crossed my mind. Um, Because when you go through extreme trauma, you look at the world through a lens of darkness. And it's not until you find recovery, healing, and healthy people to surround yourself with that you see that there are many good, kind-hearted, loving people in the world. And leading into the discussion on hope, I think that's where I have found hope. Other people could always hold that space for me, that life could get better, or that I deserved more, or um, that true connection and love and authentic friendships really did exist. And You know, the people in my life have really mirrored that for me. They've shown that for me. And you'll probably notice that I don't list my friends' names in anything that I do. So on my recovery story video or in the back of my book, um, because I'm super protective of them in their own privacy, um, because I didn't know where some of this stuff was going to go. I I don't want um, people reaching out (laughs) to my friends. Um, or giving them a hard time. And I hadn't yet trusted that that wouldn't happen. Um, But I love my friends dearly with all my heart. Some have been around for over 20 years. And um, I just want people to know that, um, that there's a very specific reason why I do not list my family members' names or my friends' names. That's for their own protection and privacy, because I'm super protective of them. Um, But some of the newer people that I've met, such as powerhouse women, you'll probably hear me talk um, a lot about them. And they're used to, you know, being out and about with their own things that they're they're doing. So we have a different language. Um, So anyway, continuing with the, you know, the, the concept of hope, you know, to be accepted and loved and have other people around you hold that hope for you while you're navigating darkness is really important. And one of the things about living with DID is because there's a disorganized attachment, and for those of you who aren't familiar with attachment theory, disorganized attachment theory basically is you can just never feel safe in a relationship. So it's very conflictual and chaotic. And um, I've learned 
early on really how to keep myself at a distance and in the majority of my relationships, even though that I've had over 20 years. Um, and I would disappear from time to time from those relationships, um, just based on what was going on with the parts. And I didn't have a language for that. You can imagine the pain that caused me and the pain that caused people in my, in my personal life. Um, and I've been thinking more, more about that because I had this breakthrough in my women's mentorship program that I just mentioned with Lindsay. And it was, um, I was doing breath work. And when we were processing, I kind of realized that I've never been in one part long enough to maintain, you know, consistent attachment. Um, and so, you know, my relationships are um, very loving and very moving, but um, there's still a level of distance there. And it was really great to get to this point of recognizing um, that it actually wasn't a flaw within me. It's uh, because um, I have a condition and that condition, um, each part has a different attachment style. On the outside, though, it might look disorganized and as though I can't connect with people when in reality, that's not true. A lot of my parts have made authentic connections and attachments with um, several people. It's just that sometimes um, those parts have not uh, communicated or um you know, a certain part isn't in a relationship with another person. So it gets really complicated. It's rather exhausting. And it's really hard to explain to your friends, <laughs> um, especially when, you know, somebody notices there may be a um, a disconnect in the relationship. I had somebody sit down with me recently and say, I can feel when you pull away from the connection, which on the outside, that person is correct. It appears as though I, as one singular person, pull away from the connection when really um, it's a matter of parts. So if parts sense something that they're uncomfortable with, they will pull me away from the connection because they are picking up on something that may feel unsafe or uneasy. Um, and until that situation is talked about or discussed, I don't have further information. Um, so many of you have asked me to speak more openly about the challenges of life with DID, and that's that's really one of them. Um, it can be, you know, super hard. It's actually getting a little easier. So when people say things like that to me, I'm able to say, well, this was going on with this part, and this is what happened, and we can talk about it now. But sometimes I don't always have the language to be able to talk about it at that time. Um, you know, I have all different types of examples about what it's been like to live with. Um, to live with DID and um, it's hard to put into words the magnitude of of the impact of it and remember that it's less about the diagnosis and more about the abuse that occurred earlier on to create the condition. I think people lose sight of that. They get fascinated with the diagnosis rather than thinking about, holy shit, there's these atrocities that are happening to people. And as a result, they're developing a condition, um, a condition that the world is fascinated with, um, which um, is unfortunate because I wish uh, there could be that much energy and mo momentum around doing um, things to protect innocent people from experiencing abuse similar to what I went through. On that note, it was a pretty challenging month last month with all this stuff in the news about the Balenciaga fashion campaign. It still really boggles my mind um, that something like that occurred and had to go through multiple people to get approved. And my heart just hurts for those kiddos in that campaign and the things that are going on behind the scenes. And um, it was super triggering and overwhelming for me because it just brought me right back to childhood stuff, as I'm sure it did for others of you who have experienced 
that level of of trauma. And I'm grateful for people like Zeke Smith and Annalyn McCord, who are really strong women with powerful voices that um, were able to um, stand up to that campaign and shed some light and awareness on on that issue. Um, I hope to continue to get braver and do more advocacy work um, like that moving forward. It's been a roller coaster ride of a year. <laughs> Most of my life has been a roller coaster, but um, in the last year, it's been, like I said, both exciting and um, fearful and really grateful for the community of support that I have. And um, that didn't happen overnight. You know, I think we often see other people or there's this social comparison and um, we don't realize what people are going through, what their stories are, what they've had to overcome. And it's really important not to compare your story or your trauma experience to that of others. Because sometimes people will will think, well, they have that and I'm never going to have that. And that's just a dangerous uh, place to go to in your mind. Um, it can take a long time to find connections and develop support. And um, you just have to stay curious and be willing to try out different things and different groups and different communities to see if you can connect and find your people. When we're talking about trust, I always like to say we don't want to define trust as all or nothing. And, um, you know, there's different levels of trust. And so just ease your way into it. And thinking about the season of Braving the Way and just having a recap for a minute, how about all of our lovely guests, Jamie Pollock, amazing founder of An Infinite Mind, who opened up on episode two and shared her journey with us and how An Infinite Mind came to be after um, her journey through life and coming forward with the idea and the incredible advocacy work that her and her, her organization does. And they have their conference coming up this February, February 17th to 19th, in person and virtual. You can find information on an infinitemind.org. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Uh, registration is now open for that. And, um, really, really grateful and blessed, uh, to have Jamie as part of my life and journey. Um, Larry Rule and his um, experiences and sharing openly and honestly about what it's been like to live with the ID and navigate holiday season and grief. Uh, he's an incredible human um, and a magnificent artist, as he says on his episode. He knows his art is not for everyone, but man, is it super powerful. And it can be interpreted in a number of different ways, depending on what's coming up for you. Um, he's also an author and a speaker, and he is worth um, checking out and seeing, you know, what he has to share with you, um, because he's just an incredible human and a dear friend. And I'm not so sure what I would do without him on this journey. Heidi B joined us to talk about alcohol and recovery. Um, and God bless her and, uh, Larry rule Their Their sobriety is amazing. Um, Heidi in her, um, I think it's 11th year and Larry in, in his 10th, you know, that's incredible. And they both share um, how getting sober really helped change their life. And Heidi gives you a real raw uh, picture of, of what struggling with alcoholism really looks like. Um, and we had Clarita, um, the light, uh, the bright light heart, most hardworking person I know, and how she navigated her cancer diagnosis and created her wellness journal and the things that she's doing and bringing retreats and healing to women in the world. Um, 
and Dr. Morgan Francis on body image and eating concerns. Um, really strong voice in that community, helping people feel good about themselves and their body and giving, you know, really solid information on, on those struggles. So, so blessed all of the guests who joined us during season one um, to talk about, you know, different topics that everybody is facing, eating concerns, drinking, navigating the healing journey, coming forward. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, we do have in the dissociative community, um, Dr. Jamie Merritt is releasing her new book um, on January 10th, 2023, and it is called Dissociation Made Simple, A Stigma-Free Guide to Embracing Your Dissociative Mind and Navigating Daily Life. Uh, Dr. Jamie was one of the first therapists I ever heard talk about her experience with dissociative experiences, and she interviewed a number of people for this book. Um, and they all, um, she's got a panel that will be speaking at the conference this year about her project and the book. And that book again releases in January of 2023. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Um, and yeah, it's just been, uh, an incredible year. Um, it's an exhausting year. So I hope it doesn't look like I, you know, have my shit all together online because I definitely don't. There have been many tears behind the scenes, many deep breaths, many asking myself, am I doing the right thing? Should I continue? Um, and it doesn't feel right not to continue. <laughs> um, I really feel like I'm walking in my soul's purpose at this point. So. Um, to be able to share my voice and um, give back to the community at large is really important to me. And uh, it was interesting. There will be a podcast episode coming up on the All I Know podcast um, with Jennifer out of Colorado. Um, she did a marvelous job interviewing me on some pretty specific detailed questions around my experience with DID. And to close the episode, she uh, utilized some lighthearted questions from um, this other interview, and one of them was, um, you know, if you make it to heaven and um, something like if God is at the pearly gates, what would you want him to say? And I said um, that I would want God to tell me, thank you for serving with your whole heart. Um, you know, to even be alive, to have the opportunity to share my experiences with the hope that it helps somebody else is a really big deal. Um in the last couple of months, I've gotten the word brave tattooed on my left wrist, and um, I needed a reminder <laughs> that I am brave. Um, I wish I didn't have to be. I wish it was the norm to just talk openly about um, dissociative identity disorder and what that's like for folks and um, just sort of navigating um, my identity, really. Um you know, I've I've defined myself for so long as a psychologist, and I'm just I feel like I'm getting further and further away from that as my identity. Um, you know, that's just a piece of what I do for a living, and I absolutely love and adore all of the people that I've ever had the honor to serve. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure on therapists to be perfect or appear perfect, or like we don't deal with our own struggles and. That's certainly not true. The most healthiest therapists I know are the ones who choose to work on themselves and the ones who, um, you know, are willing to look at their own stuff so they can be the healthiest version of themselves for their clients. And at the beginning of this whole journey, not even the DID journey, but just the journey of therapy in general and becoming a psychologist, I always said to myself, I want to be the healthiest therapist I can possibly be. So I'm going to continue to go to therapy until I work through everything. And um 
it's been amazing to me that that's how it started um, because that's how much I have cared about my profession and my clients. I take my job very seriously and I've never seen it as a job. Um, so it's interesting to me to be stepping into these new roles as a speaker and consultant and now an author um, because so much of what I was taught to be sort of rigid and never share anything about who I am as a person just doesn't work for me anymore in the, in the field of psychology. I'd like to think that maybe I have um, some ability to shift how we think differently about therapy and psychological services and diagnoses, because um, I certainly don't always agree um, with certain aspects of the mental health field. So that's been a challenge for me. But I've also worked really, really hard to earn the the doctoral degree in front of my name. So I also don't want to disrespect myself by um, by, you know, not still having that as a piece of my identity. So it's going to be interesting to see where 2023 goes for me. And, um, you know, I think it's about asking yourself too, where do you want 2023 to go for you? I think we give our power away a lot to the new year and people often set um, resolutions. And here's what I have to say about that. Resolutions are not solutions. And um, I've seen a lot of people really have a hard time with, they set these goals or these expectations for 2023, uh, well, just any new year in general, right? Like, I want to lose weight or I want to work out 10 times a week or whatever. I mean, the list goes on and on. Quit this, do that. And what if we just tabled that to like, if you want to make some healthy changes in the new year, go for it. But you don't need to put all these rigid expectations on yourself because that's just a surefire way to fail. Um you know, if you want to work on cultivating a healthier relationship with your body, just start moving your body more. If you want to start cultivating a healthy relationship with food, start exploring your relationship with food. Um, you know, um, I think it's about really looking at like, how do you slow down and be mindful and in the moment and really love yourself? And there's nothing wrong with having goals and aspirations. I think they can be healthy, but when you make them so rigid, that you can't achieve them, then you're going to feel like a failure. And then you're going to feel like you have an enormous amount of shame. And then you're going to hate yourself versus coming at it with a lot of self-love. What are some changes I would like to put into practice during 2023? What what intentions do I have? What do I want to cultivate? Maybe it's deeper connections with other people. Maybe it's moving your body more. Maybe it's following up on medical appointments. Since as trauma survivors, we often avoid those like the plague, right? So just being really mindful and gentle with yourself and um, and doing for you what you want to do every January. And I'm hoping she does it again. I haven't asked her yet, but Lindsay Smith uh, Campbell, the one I mentioned earlier, she also does a vision board workshop here in Arizona. And um, every year I go and I create a vision board and I put on the vision board things I hope to see or do. Sometimes it's things related to nature. Sometimes it's things related to health. Um, sometimes it's related to career. It's interesting. Uh, one I did a few years ago, I had writing on the back of it. And what do you know? Now I'm a blog writer for psychology today. And I just, you know, self-published a book. So there you go. Um, you know, I think it's about being mindful and intentional and, and not allowing yourself to, um, or I mean, allowing yourself to grant yourself permission. There is no dream too big. Keep dreaming big. Um, you know, I think people limit themselves. They start to dream and they start to have ideas about what they want to cultivate in their life. And then they tell themselves, oh, no, I'll never have that or that's too big or that's too far out of reach. 
um, when that's simply just not true. You have to believe. I do believe having some faith uh, also helps, regardless of where you're at with spirituality or religion. I think faith looks different for everybody. Um, but to find some connection to something that's important to you can be really helpful on the healing journey. So for a long time, uh, because I was pretty angry at God for a while, um, you know, I found comfort in nature. Um, and now I'm into all kinds of things. I've, you know, kind of readdressed my relationship with God and I have some spiritual practices that I do and I really enjoy being in nature. Hiking really helps my soul. Um, so just being open to explore what might work for you. I think too often times in this culture, there's a lot of judgment about what this person's doing or that person's doing, or how can they do this or how can they do that? Whatever happened to like love and acceptance for just people for who they are and the things that they want to do or are interested in. Um, you know, I've often found that when other people are insecure about their own stuff, they start getting really judgmental um, about what other people are doing or not doing. When I just ask you to put the focus back on yourself, what is it that you want and need and how can can you cultivate that for yourself? Um, and kindness. Can we not underestimate, you know, kindness in the world? I think I talked earlier, either on my episodes or in my book or wherever. I was not always a very kind person. I had not processed through all of this horrific trauma that I had gone through. And so it was super judgmental and um, really didn't like people at all. Didn't want to spend time with them. You know, I would focus on my immediate relationships and, um, you know, the clients in my practice who I adored. But outside of that, I did not trust too many people, nor did I want to spend time with them. And now, you know, that I've reconnected with my heart space and I've worked through a lot of that, I don't find myself being judgmental at all. I actually find myself being super curious and, um, you know, willing to learn about different things, everything from music to clothing taste to people and how they show up in the world. Like curiosity can be a really beautiful thing. Um, expectations and perfectionism, just a really dangerous, slippery slope. Actually, I have this running joke with my therapist this year that I'm calling this my year of the, the typos. <laughs> because in everything um, sort of that has just been showing up, there's a typo in almost everything. And um, the perfectionist in me that usually just drives me bananas. And I've just decided to let it go. There's going to be typos. There's going to be mistakes in the world. There's going to be times you mess up. And um, if you're honest with yourself, just learn, just be willing to learn and get back on track. And um, never underestimate the power of free resources, you know, um, looking at what's going on in your community, what's being offered for free, what, what can you go and check out? Um, I know, you know, some people are struggling right now. I mean, man, the prices at the grocery store are a little bit ridiculous, right? Like orange juice and eggs and um you know, people are having a hard time right now. And so people need to be mindful of their their budgets and what they can afford and not afford and just meeting yourself where you're at, you know, um, conserving what you can and, um, you know, having some limits with yourself or putting a budget aside to make sure that you're able to get some self-care stuff in, you know, whatever it is for you, everybody's going to be different and everybody has different resources. Um, and if you, if you have more resources and are inclined to help those uh, without some resources, I think that can be great too. That's a great way to practice um, gratitude and to put things into perspective, offer your time or your help to someone else. 
Um, and I think sometimes a lot of people do that around the holiday time, but then they sort of fall off and um, choose not to do anything for the rest of the year. Um, but there's always places in need um, to volunteer your time at or whatever it is, whatever you want to do. And you're not a bad person if you choose not to do any of that. So don't mishear me there. Whatever you need to do to honor yourself is, um, you know, really important. So I think that's kind of the majority of what I wanted to say, you know, in terms of like um, just being super blessed and grateful for where things are and um, knowing that we all have challenges behind the scenes. And I'm really grateful that you are all here with me listening and hanging out for season two. I still don't have, you know, there's a lot of podcast people that record, batch record their podcast. That's not me. If you know me, you know, I kind of just follow flow and heart space. And I trust uh, the journey. And so I haven't exactly figured out season two yet. But what I do know is I'll be back in March. And March is just going to be completely devoted to DID and the dissociative community because the Dissociative Identity Disorder Awareness Day is in March. And so I wanted to put together something special, um, talk about some resources, some other organizations, and um, really shine the light <laughs> during March. Um, and I just want to confirm that I have the right date. March 5th is Dissociative Identity Disorder Awareness Day. So all of March will be devoted, podcast will be devoted to that. And um, and then the rest of the, the season two, I, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'm on the fence between sharing more intimately my life behind the scenes with DID and the things I had to navigate throughout the healing journey so that I can help other people. Um, and then some of you also wanted some other mental health stories. So we'll see if it's going to be a combo of that. Uh, but I'll decide as it gets closer to uh, launching season two. But blessed and grateful for all of you. I hope that as we head into the new year, you choose a word that is representative for you, something you want to be mindful and intentional about. Be kind to yourself. Move your body. Nourish your body. Think about places you want to explore, either locally or travel-wise, um, people you want to connect with. Um, practices that may help your own mental health, whether that's journaling or a support group, um, reading a couple of self-help books, you know, whatever it is that you need to do for you. But just know that every year brings about different experiences as well as different challenges. And it's unrealistic to expect that we won't have any challenges in 2023. So be kind and gentle with yourselves as you continue to navigate your journeys, your families, your life, your careers, um, and just know that you are loved and you are not alone. And there's a lot of people in this world that have similar struggles, even if they don't talk about it. So I see you. I think you're amazing. I'm really proud of you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And I look forward to continuing to braving the way with you in 2023. I will see you back here in March. Happy New Year. If you enjoyed the show today and think it might help somebody else, please share it and continue the mission of spreading hope, love, and inspiration. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. My biggest hope is that you do something loving and kind for yourself today and every day to support your own mental health. Brave on, friends. Until next time. <laughs>